Hello, my friends, and welcome back to The Hum. This is the bonus episode that you get once a month around the new moon on The Hum and the Holler podcast. And I'm Karina Dross. I will be taking you through the highlights of the astrology from new moon to new moon. And we are beginning this month on June 10th with the new moon in Gemini, which will also be a solar eclipse. So I want to take a minute at the top to just talk about what eclipses are in astrology, why they're a big deal, should you or should you not freak out about these. There's a lot of information on the internet these days that is alarmist, that encourages you whenever any big astrology is happening to kind of get in a kerfluffle and be like, oh no, I must hide. I just must hide under my bed because there is a goddamn eclipse, because Mercury is retrograde at the same time, because Neptune is squaring the sun and the moon on the day of the eclipse. Well, you know, and all of these things are true, but I want to just walk you through like a chill, reasonable, aware way of working with all the astrological energies. Because the point in knowing these things isn't just to panic or isn't to predict doom. The point is to figure out how do I want to plan my life in accordance with what's going on out there. And in the same way, you would check the weather and be like, do I need sunscreen today? Do I need an umbrella today? And maybe if you're someone who really is just like, I can't handle the heat at all. I'm going to stay in air conditioning all day today because there's a heat wave myself included, and it's exactly what I'm doing right now, um, then maybe you hide. Maybe you hide from the world. You know you, right? You understand. But I just want to say the eclipses are not a reason to hide from the world. They are not um, out to get you, as it were. So let's talk about what they are. Eclipses are disruptions in the continuity of how we experience our lives. And if you think about it, on like a background level, we're all aware of the rising and setting of the sun, of the way that the light increases in the morning, decreases at the night. Some of us, maybe fewer of us in modern times with electricity, are aware of the moon cycles. If you track the moon cycles, you're aware of the waxing and the waning. Perhaps you are someone who menstruates and you understand how the moon affects that for you. In short, we are all kind of background noise, low-level, subconscious, body-level aware of how these two big luminaries in the sky create this rhythm in our lives, in our, in our days as they unfold over time. And what eclipses do is they disrupt that rhythm. They bring a moment of unexpected darkness that is out of sync with the progression of the light. And so I think about this as a strobe light. I think about this as like when a DJ is scratching a record, you know, the sense of um, abrupt, uh, jarring transitions rather than gradual smooth transitions. And what the eclipses give us astrologically as they do this is they give us this opportunity to notice something new is coming up. Wait a second. It's not what I expected. I was, I was humming along, unconsciously aware of the rhythms of my days and lives on a deep somatic level, and now that is disrupted. And when it is disrupted, you might notice something very new and different. And so eclipses have been coded in astrology as these bringers of big sudden changes, 
portal energy. One door opens, another door closes. And like, honestly, doors are opening and closing all the time in our lives. It's just the nature of time. But with an eclipse, we are far more likely to pay attention to the big ones, to, to feel the sense of, I have turned a corner. Something is very much over. Something is very much beginning. Uh, there is brand new information in my life that is shifting my expectations. Generally, eclipses are just times of surprise, of, oh, I didn't expect that. I didn't see it this way before. I wasn't aware of this. And now I am. I think it's always worth knowing. I think that's maybe the best attitude to have as you move into this eclipse is it's worth having the information surface. Better to know than to not know. And specifically because this is a new moon in Gemini, Gemini is a sign that is intensely curious and loves to research, is very interested in um, questioning the stories that we might live by without asking ourselves, is this still my truth? Gemini is opposite of Sagittarius. Sagittarius energy tells us, trust your intuition, you know what's right, just go do it. And Sagittarius energy can be beautiful if you're feeling indecisive, but the shadow side of Sagittarius is dogmatism, is this sense of long ago I decided that this is my ideology, these are my beliefs, and I am not open to change, I am not open to new information, and this new moon in Gemini is a time to be open to new information. So that's kind of beautiful. One thing that gets a little trickier is that on this eclipse, we also have the planet Neptune forming a square, which is a challenging aspect to the sun and the moon. And Neptune brings disorientation. <laughs> Neptune is like a psychedelic experience. So when Neptune gets involved, we are more likely to be in touch with the information we are getting from non-physical sources, non-ordinary reality. Depending on your belief system, you might consider this spiritual information. This might be artistic inspiration. This might be psychic intuitive hits. And it could also just be you're picking up on a lot of energetic vibes from the world, and it's hard to sort them out and know, is this information meaningful to me? Is this something I need to do something about? Is this actually true or is this distorted a bit by my anxieties or my fantasies? So with Neptune involved in this eclipse, we are learning new information. And this is true for the entire eclipse season. So this is going to, this energy is going to continue for another few weeks until the full moon. And in this time, it might be hard to really do some reality testing and figure out of all the things that I am learning, of all the ways my perspective is shifting right now, what can I firmly trust and make plans and build upon? Those are things that are really not ideal during eclipse season. You can do them if you have to. Sign a contract if you need to. Don't get super scared about it. But just be aware that it might get a little weird. Things might not go as smoothly and you might not know everything you need to know yet. So just bear that in mind. And on June 11th, Mars moves into Leo, where it is much bolder, stronger, and fierier than where it has been in Cancer. Mars in Cancer approaches self-defense and motivation and passion fairly indirectly. There is this energy of 
being a little more avoidant than otherwise, a little more withdrawn, perhaps a little more sensitive in all possible ways, as in touchy and also as in aware of other people's feelings and responsive to them. Mars and Leo is a really different story. When Mars moves into Leo, our collective motivation and life force and, you know, desire to fight and to get it on with each other gets a lot stronger. So with Mars in Leo, there's kind of this big rush of energy that in the times that we are in, where decision-making can be a little wonky during the eclipse, Mercury retrograde, Neptune square, um, this rush of energy can be a welcome way of getting into our bodies, feeling that we have some directionality, that we can move and act and create and enjoy each other's company, or it could be a way of rushing into things we don't need to rush into yet. So I would say enjoy this transit by seeking out joy in ways that don't necessarily mean this is now my whole life's path. (laughs) So that's June 11th. And then on the 13th is when the Sun-Neptune square perfects, which means it's been leading up for a few days. It is now exact on the 13th. So this energy has been present. And this is just a day when if you're feeling a little dreamy and lost in the clouds, you're going to get a little dreamier and a little more lost. And you might find yourself lost in fantasies. You might find yourself lost in anxieties. You might find yourself pleasantly lost. You might find yourself uncomfortably lost. But this is not a good day to try to get found necessarily. So watch out for that kind of free-floating anxiety or depression that can come with a Neptune square because Neptune brings up all of our longings for a really different, more beautiful world than the one that we are in. And be aware that if you are someone who uses Neptune on the regular for your own well-being or for your career, and that includes artists, poets, therapists, um, anyone who is in touch with the beyond as a source of inspiration and healing, that this is a day when you can actually get a lot of that um, download, where you can be receptive, be open to the visions and the voices um, as you need them. On the 14th, we have more big news. This is the second of three exact squares between the planets Saturn and Uranus. And if you have been following astrology at all, if you've been following my horoscopes, you know that this particular transit is the biggest news of 2021. When we are looking at Saturn and Uranus squaring off with each other, we are looking at Saturn representing the status quo, tradition, structure, responsibility versus Uranus, which is freedom, revolution, throwing people out of windows, um, burning it all down. And with the Saturn square to Uranus, one of the first things that we have seen this year is this insurrectionary energy that until recently has been considered roughly, you know, roughly aligned with left-wing revolutionary movements is now being claimed by right-wing revolutionary movements. And so there is this strange terrain we're in right now where elected officials in the government, Republican senators and uh, judges and whatnot, are part of the Saturn story. They are part of the status quo. They are part of the old guard. They are 
the people trying to maintain what their way of, of life is. And they are aligning with this Iranian energy of we need a, a certain kind of insurrectionary vault to maintain power. So this is a weird and unsettling combination of these two energies. But another way of thinking about Saturn squared Uranus is something that I see a lot in the generation of clients that I work with who have these two planets exactly conjunct each other in their birth charts. And these are people born roughly between 1989, 1991. There was a Capricorn stellium uh, with Saturn, Uranus, and Neptune all uh, in the same degrees of Capricorn. And what I've noticed by working with clients who have these two planets really close to each other is that there is a way of needing to take seriously our revolutionary potential. And Saturn is what helps us take things seriously. Uranus is that revolutionary potential. But if you look at youth rebellion movements over the last hundred years or so, there has always been this sense of idealism and complete overthrow, which are both Neptune and Uranus, right? Like we're going to free love our way out of the system, or we are going to blow up our way out of the system, or we just need to overthrow the government. And what's happening now is, is I'm seeing this shift in how to imagine collective liberation in a way that is truly responsible to one another and sustainable for the earth, for human life, for human dignity, and doing this in a way that understands that there needs to be structures in place, that there needs to be mutual care and mutual responsibility as we do this work of liberation. This Saturn square to Uranus on June 14th is another kind of like crank of these gears toward a, all of the ways that we as, as a collective human species are trying to integrate and understand the need for freedom and the need for responsibility and how they go together. It, it is about both impulses in all of us. And so on this day, I invite you to get curious about what feels unresolvable for you in your internal contradictions about this. Perhaps you would like to see an end to capitalism and a redistribution of wealth, and you also really love fancy things and want like a fancy house and fancy clothes, right? That might feel like an unresolvable contradiction for you. What do you do with this contradiction? What does this problem help inspire you to get creative about? How do you hold the pieces of you that want these different things? Do they get to be in communication with each other? Do you love both of them? Do you accept both of them? What decision-making happens when you are in this place of problem-solving? So that is what I recommend for, honestly, this entire year, but specifically around June 14th, as this energy intensifies again. Which brings us to June 20th, when the planet Jupiter is moving retrograde. There is a lot going on this month. I want to be honest with you, this is a month when we are all potentially going to feel a little discombobulated, torn in many directions, maybe unable to really get good momentum, maybe having to come face to face with some anxieties, some lost dreams, some, some crushed hopes. It's possible. It's possible that's all going to come up in some way for you this month. It's also possible this is a month that's going to bring you tremendous insight and tremendous clarity. Hard to say, but here is the weather. So 
with Jupiter moving retrograde on June 20th, what's happening is Jupiter, which is our collective sense of faith, um, it's entering this, this retrograde period that's going to last for a few months, so it won't be stationing direct until October 18th. So we're in it for a little, a little bit of time here. And when any planet moves retrograde, it's a time when that part of our collective psyche is slowed down, less active, less directive, and far more in like a ruminating, contemplative, um, let me go dig out these cardboard boxes under my bed and go through all my old journals and kind of think about my past. And maybe it's time to like burn some old love letters, or maybe it's time to cry again about someone I've lost. Like that's kind of what a retrograde energy feels like. You, you, go, you go inward, you go backward, you reassess, you review, you, you reconsider um, the things from your past with the understanding that you will move forward again and have a different perspective as that planet moves direct. And so when our planet of faith is in optimism, is moving retrograde, the first thing that might happen is we might feel a crisis of faith. We might feel a sense of doubt around what do we believe in. And when I'm talking about faith, I'm not just talking about religious faith. I'm talking about what do you believe? Like, do you believe in racial justice? Do you believe that climate change is real? Do you believe that we can actually reverse climate change? Do you believe that governments can do this? Do you believe governments are capable of acting ethically? Do you believe that your own specific political ideology is the only way to save life on Earth? Do you believe that your communities are capable of growing and healing from conflict? Do you trust your mentors and teachers? What about, you know, your queer icons? What is it that you have been putting faith in? And is that faith well-placed? So this is a time when there might be some disillusionment. There also might be some really incredible enlightenment. If you are the kind of person, and I trust and hope that you are, if you're the kind of person who loves to know when you're wrong, this is a good influence for you. Because being given a different perspective gives you a chance to refine your own beliefs. And I want to be really clear here. Beliefs are not necessarily the same as facts. So I might believe in reincarnation, for example. No one's ever going to prove that wrong to me, right? It's my belief. It's what I believe. And the more that I understand about the world and how energy turns into matter and matter turns into energy, or there is this sort of reconstitution of life in all forms where <clears throat> whenever one living body dies, it feeds another living body. I can come up with some theories to explain this is why I think reincarnation is plausible. I cannot, though, merely say my belief in reincarnation is unassailable, that this is the only right way, it is the only truth, and because I believe for me that this is the only truth, I must convince everyone else is the only truth, and if they do not believe what I believe, then they're my enemy. So this is not something that we hear a lot culturally about reincarnation per se, but we do see this globally around all kinds of other belief systems. If you do not believe what I believe, you are my enemy. And so that's what I want 
to pay attention to during this Jupiter retrograde is where do you find that in yourself? If you do not believe in racial justice, you are my enemy. If you do not believe in climate change, you are my enemy. If you do not believe in queer rights, you are my enemy. Maybe that is true for you. Maybe that needs to be true for you right now. Maybe enemies are not the, the thing that you need right now. Maybe there's more room for dialogue than you imagine with people in your life that you have shut out for certain reasons. I'm not saying this is now the time to dialogue with all of the toxic people in your life, but I am saying this is a time to get curious about is there more than I have not been tracking? Not to change your beliefs, not to say completely, oh, I no longer believe in racial justice or queer rights. No, 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 more just to expand your sense of why do other people believe what they believe? Where is that coming from? What is happening? What is the history of that belief system? How is it functioning? What need is it serving in their psyches? What need is your belief serving in your psyche? How are we all trying to protect ourselves? How do we understand the world, right? To just get curious. And on the 21st, the sun moves into Cancer. We are in Cancer season. I love Cancer season. I love some Cancers in my life. And I love that this incredibly emo sign happens at the height of summer because I am the kind of kid who is always needed to be kind of indoors with a book and some air conditioning, ideally, while everyone else is out, you know, doing all their summer things. When I think about cancer energy, I think about that protective shell that we put over ourselves when the sun is too harsh, when the world is too bright, when there's too much stimulus. And particularly this year, as some of us are expanding our worlds again, having been vaccinated, there can be this feeling of how much am I trying to emerge and how much do I still need to retreat? And so when the sun moves into cancer, I feel like we are all kind of given this permission to retreat as much as we need to and to be very tender and sweet to ourselves during this high energy solar season. And if you can, I recommend putting your feet in some water this month just letting that water energy be something that draws things out of you in a really sweet way. On June 2nd, Mercury stations direct. One thing moving forward, just like a nice thing, right? So the day of the station direct, that Mercury retrograde energy is still going to be a little, little strong, but by the 23rd, it'll start easing. When Mercury is out of its shadow period, um, things will feel much easier technologically, logistically, etc. On June 23rd, we have a Venus-Pluto opposition. And this is not quite as intense of a transit as when Mars opposed Pluto earlier this month, and that you'll uh, hear that on the last podcast because it was before the new moon but it was earlier in June, um, June 5th, I believe. So that was kind of a rough ride. You might want to think about June 5th and be like, what was happening for me then? I personally had a terrible migraine all day. But this Venus opposition to Pluto, not, not quite as intense as that, but not, you know, not like a sheer delight. Whenever Venus and Pluto get together, there is an increased risk of just feeling like some jealousy and resentment 
feeling persecuted or left out. All of the kind of, you know, gross feelings we can have about intimate relationships and the ways we may fear them, the ways that we are afraid of being vulnerable with the people we love because of the power it gives them over us. That's what goes on here with Venus opposite Pluto. So if you can at all avoid it, just don't process today. Just don't. If, you, if you've got the thoughts coming up, write them down, do some journaling, walk it off, cry a little, and then wait. Just wait before you confront someone and let them know, hey, I think you're terrible. I think you think I'm terrible. And I think our relationship is terrible. And this is all terrible. How did it get so terrible? So let that go right? You'll, you'll be clearer about this later. So if you do uncover some deep truth that continues to be true for you a few days, a few weeks down the line, yeah, then, then you might need to confront some people. But on this day, don't be too quick to act on what, what you're uncovering. And the reason I say this is not to be like, be afraid of this day, don't do anything this day, but just to be aware that when we are experiencing any kind of Pluto transit, we are far more likely to get into the amygdala part of the brain, which is our fear response. And when we are in a fear response, when we are activated, triggered, feeling threatened, um, it is really hard to have conversations with people in which we are accessing our compassion and our clear reasoning. Those two parts of the brain just don't work together. The fear part of the brain overrides those other parts. So you might be responding to something that's real. You might be in some kind of rough situation that you need to find a way out of. You might need to cut ties. You might need to assert your integrity. Whatever it is you need to do. I'm not saying don't do it. I'm saying wait until you are out of the acute activation phase. And the 24th brings us a full moon in Capricorn which means we are officially out of eclipse season. Whew, a little more relaxing. You can begin moving forward on the information that has been coming up for you throughout this whole eclipse season. So you might feel a sense of being a little more settled, being a little more focused, having a clear sense of, um, oh yeah, this is what I know. This is what I need to do. Here is where I'm headed. It might be subtle as well. And full moons are always times of culmination and release. So with a full moon in Capricorn, I also just recommend helping yourself shake off some of the excess that we can get into with Capricorn energy, which is perhaps an excess sense of, oh, here's a really long to-do list. Here's all the things I should be doing. I said this, but I should have said that. I felt this, but I should have felt that. Or... I'll never have the things that I need. I need to just keep working harder and harder and harder. Everyone else is more popular and successful. Everyone else knows more than I do. I don't have any time to take a break because if I do not just keep working, I will never survive, right? So all of those thought patterns, if any of those ring true for you, if you recognize some of your internal self-talk in that, take a moment on June 24th to maybe write those down and burn them or drown them or just do something to get those thoughts out of your mind and ceremonially release them. On June 27th, we've got Venus moving into Leo. So we've got both Mars and Venus in Leo right now. And this is a time when our collective need for 
really authentic validation from one another gets a lot stronger. So Venus is how we love each other. It's the ways we want to connect and feel pleasure. And Leo really needs to be seen, really needs to be recognized and cherished for its uniqueness, not for the mask that it's wearing. So when Venus moves into Leo, you might be tempted to just get a lot more attention in general. You might be on social media more, uh, just telling your story more, taking pictures of yourself, whatever it is the kids do these days. But beware that with Venus and Leo, not all attention is the right attention. You're not just looking for the whole goddamn world. You're not just looking to rack up like a million likes on whatever you post. What Venus and Leo is actually looking for is specific, focused, appropriate forms of attention and validation, which have more to do with when you confess that you got a crush on someone and they're like, oh, I have a crush on you too. I these are, these are all the things I love about you. When you make some artwork and you show it to someone whose opinion you respect and they tell you, here are all the things I think are wonderful about what you've made. This is very exciting. That's the kind of thing you're looking for with Venus and Leo. So it can help embolden you to be more forthcoming about the things that are deeply beautiful and true and unique about you. So I, I encourage you to do that. And I encourage you to choose your audience wisely. Choose the people in your life that you really want to be in connection with and use this energy to deepen that connection. On July 1st, we have a Mars-Saturn opposition. This can be frustrating. When Mars and Saturn get crunchy with each other like this, our forward momentum, Mars, our drive, our energy, gets a little bit constricted by Saturn. And this can lead to a lot of impatience and irritation. Our sense of enthusiasm can be a little crushed by the limitations of reality. And I think it was Jessica Lignato who referred to this particular aspect as like being stuck in a traffic jam. Maybe she used a different metaphor, but the metaphor I'm remembering is one of you got to be somewhere, you have an appointment you can't miss, and your car, you just can't move your car. There's just no way. Oh yeah, being parked in maybe is, is what she described it as. So that is the energy that's prevalent on July 1st. If you've got to get things done today, if you've got to get to that appointment, if there's things you're trying to make happen in this world, just be patient, just breathe, just count to 10, do the things you can to not overreact to the ways that reality might disappoint you and challenge you. And if you can, try to collaborate with the limitations you find. I know that as an artist, I really love some restrictions. I really love the sense of I'm going to make something and I have only these tools to use, or I am going to look at this landscape, but I'm going to find use a viewfinder so that I can only see this one cropped version of it. And that's all I'm working with. And so on some levels, restrictions, which is what Saturn represents, can help us focus, can help us understand what we're actually trying to do because we're less distracted by everything else. So the best possible use of this transit is to be flexible enough to revise your plans and take into consideration what's blocking you, what feels like an obstacle right now, and see if you can turn it into uh, a source of creative challenge. So 
eh, maybe you can't, maybe you'll just be frustrated today. But that's like the posy, the posy possibility inherent in this transit. On July 4th, we've got a really different energy also involving Mars, because Saturn and Uranus are so close to square at this point. When one planet makes an opposition to Saturn, it's going to very quickly square Uranus. So that's happening with Mars this week, and then it'll happen with Venus a little bit later because they're both zipping through Leo right now. So on July 4th, we have Mars square Uranus. Similar Mars energy, motivation, impulse drives, passion, but where Saturn is this restricting, structuring, obstacle, slowdown kind of energy, Uranus is like the forest fire. Uranus is flashes of insight, wild adventures, toppling the structures, embracing the unexpected. So with the Mars square to Uranus on July 4th, this, you know, when I think about July 4th as like a nationalist holiday in the United States where people set off fireworks and get um, disturbingly patriotic, and when I think about what's happening amongst a certain sect of um, right-wing insurrectionary folks these days, and I see Mars square Uranus on July 4th, I get a little anxious, honestly. I'm like, yeah, this is a potentially explosive aspect. Hard to say. Uh, Mars square Uranus is, if nothing else, like a match being lit. And if you are someone who suffers at all from spikes of anxiety or anything where you're just like, hey, I sometimes have uh, really manic, high energy, um, and I don't love being in that state, and it's really not good for me to be in that state, be a little gentle to yourself on this day. Make sure that you have the tools that you need to soothe and come down from whatever highs that you might get into energetically, because Mars square Uranus day is a day when we are far more likely to get revved up energetically. On July 7th, we've got the same little one-two punch with Venus. So on July 7th, Venus is opposite Saturn. On July 8th, Venus is square Uranus. So let's take those one by one. When Venus and Saturn are opposite each other, it can be really easy to feel lonely and left out. So we had that Venus opposition to um, Pluto earlier on June 23rd. And this is similar. It's not quite as paranoid. <laughs> it's not quite as obsessive, but it's a little bit sadder, lonelier, withdrawn. Venus opposite Saturn can make you feel a little bit like you are on the outside of some kind of cool kids club and you're never going to belong because you don't know the rules, right? Like there, there's a way people are supposed to be in this world and you just have not gotten that memo. And because of that, it's also possible to feel a strain in your existing relationships, not just this longing to be accepted and loved and feeling you never will be, but in your existing relationships, you can also become more aware of the responsibilities and the commitments that you are in that are perhaps not feeling good for you right now. Um, maybe you are giving more energy to a relationship than that other person is. Maybe you're out of your integrity and you have been allowing someone to cross your boundaries and it's starting to strain you. Whatever it is, this Venus opposition to Saturn can bring up some crunchy feelings around how all your relationships are going. So the best use of this energy is to assess where is your integrity? What are you choosing and why? Where are you spending your relational energy? And is it 
bringing you the experiences you want to be having? If it isn't, what do you need to adjust? Those are really the questions that Saturn asks Venus. So working with this, uh, we're looking at our relationships and also if you have an artistic practice of any kind, this is true for that as well. So this would be a really good day to edit, not as good day to create. And then on July 8th, with like a whiplash energy, we got Venus square Uranus, right? Straight from the serious structured, how can I get more realistic and, and focused to the <laughs> maybe I should burn it all down energy. So this movement from intense focus and potential loneliness to this day of wild possibility and potential rebellion is real quick. So you might feel a little, a little pulled out of center by how quickly these two happen. But pay attention to the fact that there are cycles in our lives, and some of us feel this more extremely than others, where we over-restrict and then we overindulge. And so I'm seeing a potential for that happening here. Venus also rules pleasure. So if you look at Venus as this is how I self-soothe when I'm stressed, which might be through eating something delicious and decadent, it might be through spending a lot of money, it might be through drug use, it might be through sex, whatever it is. When you have this Saturn and then Uranus right after each other, there can be this sense of self-denial and then uh, just an explosion of, of self-permission that happens. And, you know, you know your rhythms. So if this is already an issue for you, make a note on July 7th and 8th to have some tools at hand to, you know, what are you going to do if you want to make sure you don't uh, end up on the extremes of either one of these in a way that's going to cause you suffering. That's all. If this isn't already a problem for you, it, it shouldn't be uh, too high on your radar. And my friends, that brings us to the end of this podcast for this month. We will Look at the new moon in Cancer on July 10th next month. So stay tuned for that episode on July 9th. And as always, thank you for listening. If you want to support this podcast, you can join Patreon. Abacus Corvus has a Patreon. And I, Karina Dross, have a Patreon. You can search either one of our names. The Abacus Corvus one will get you bonus meditations. The Karina Dross one will get you expanded horoscopes but they both have this particular feed. All right, have a good month out there. I'll talk to you next time. Mm -hmm.